afternoon and welcome to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. We have a special treat for you today. Today's educator is Mark Feynman and his topic is what I love about Ari Honick. As you know, Mark is no stranger uh, to Clearwater Jazz. Uh, you probably checked out some of his past topics from history of rhythm section and collaboration, the quarter note system, a rhythmic guide of creativity. Uh, he also did something on, neat on triplets. He says exploring triplets, comping, solo, and coordination. So he's been here many, many times, but He's going to give us some great information on Ari Honick today. Um, if you don't know Mark, I'm just going to read a little bit about him. Uh, phenomenal guy. I've been knowing him for a while. Um, he's very integral in the Tampa Bay area and beyond in our jazz community. But Mark is a drummer, composer, and educator who is inspired by individual human experiences and a diverse range of musical influences. He has extensive performance experience playing with many wonderful musicians. Mark was awarded an Emerging Artist Grant from Creative Pinellas, the Think Small to Think Big Grant, a Jazz on Edge 13 and 13 Commission, and a Project Genius Residency to present a multimedia project raising awareness for Alzheimer's disease at the Studio 620. He's also a drum set instructor at St. Petersburg College. Um, and as you know, he's part of La Lucha. Man, one of my favorite groups here. I love hearing them in Tampa Bay. They're a Tampa Bay-based trio. Their music ventures into a wide variety of musical styles and offers a fun mix of genres under the jazz umbrella. And I even hear you have a new album out now. I know you can listen to all media outlets, um, and I've been enjoying that too. So without any more delay, uh, Mark, welcome back to Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. The stage is all yours. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much to the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation and education programs and Young Lions. Uh, I absolutely love working together and it gives me a chance to uh, reach out and speak about my favorite thing, which is music and specifically jazz. Um, this is the last of a, I think, five-part series, you said, of what I love about and then entering that musician's name. Um, I've done these in chronological order, starting with uh, early jazz drummers. Uh, we didn't go all the way back to the beginning, but we started with one of the main uh, innovators, which was Papa Joe Jones. And I encourage you, you're welcome to, to watch any of these in any order. But uh, if you want to check out some early jazz and see how we got here from there, and also how they're related, go back and check out Papa Joe Jones. Um, if you have any questions, you are welcome to ask them in the chat room. Uh, you can also uh, send me a message. My contact information may be up on the website as well. I'm always happy to talk about music following this uh, session. So today we are in we're now in the contemporary. We're in the modern world. We're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite drummers, Ari Honig. And, you know, it, I, Ari, the reason why I chose him, you'll see, but 
in short, he really has innovated uh, and mastered how we play rhythm. And he's also on a very high level of performing, on a high level of composing and arranging. And he's also um, doing this through education as well. Uh, he's also a really wonderful educator. And it's not to say that some educators are not great musicians, or but, but not all really well musicians are educators or know how to communicate their ideas. And Ari's been very open to doing that and working with younger musicians and not only in his band, but also bringing in students to his studio um, privately or through a college. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. If you've seen my sessions before, I love a PowerPoint slide presentation. And uh, today in particular, we will actually we'll get a chance to watch probably more videos. And as we've progressed, we have more access to videos, we have more access to audio recordings, and Ari, being a contemporary, puts his stuff out there every day on social media. Um, so, you know, it was a little harder to get a video of Papa Joe Jones. They're out there, but there's only so much. And then as we progressed, you know, Max Roach and Art Blakey and Elvin Jones, there was more footage. Now it was like, there's a plethora of footage that we have to choose from. Okay, here we are, Young Lions Master Virtual Sessions. What I love about Ari Honig. And that's me, I'm Mark Feynman. Let's start with a quote from Ari. This is great art affects people in a very strong way in one way or another, and not somewhere in the middle because somewhere in the middle is mediocre. And so all my favorite artists and musicians are people that most people hate them or love them, but not really anywhere in the middle. And this actual quote is referring to when he played at Dazzle, which is a really wonderful jazz club in Denver, Colorado, he received a letter, um, maybe it was an email, but from a woman who attended the concert, stayed the whole time, and the letter went on about how much she disliked the concert and how they're wonderful players and wonderful musicians, but they're just doing it wrong, whatever that meant. So this was, this was kind of paraphrasing his response to her, which was um, something that is similar to a musician who lived in the Florida Orlando area, Sam Rivers said, when people walked out of his Carnegie Hall concert, which was, uh, I made them feel something, something so emotional that they felt the need to walk out in the middle of the performance. And so even though this woman maybe not walked out, but for him, it was, you know, mediocrity is not an option and he's just going to do what he does. All right, let's let's take a little uh, background. We'll hang on this for a little bit. Um, born in 1973 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, also the home to many musicians, uh, many jazz musicians in particular, a wonderful area to be brought up and to uh, experience the arts, the wonderful arts programs. He was born to a musical family. Both of his parents uh, played instruments and so uh, he's spoken in videos and on audio many times about this, which was he got started playing early on actually the violin because his parents said, 
you're going to play an instrument. It was, do you want to play an instrument? It was as musicians and artists, they required him to take lessons doing something. And it started with the violin. And he was really open about speaking about uh, really not liking playing the violin. I don't know what it is in particular, but he didn't enjoy it. And he at some point moved to the piano, which is a wonderful instrument to learn, even if it is not your main instrument. Um, and it was certainly very good for him because he is a prolific composer and arranger and having to know that through the piano. So he really wanted to play uh, the drums and it took a moment, uh, but he he finally got a drum set and his parents, he said his parents didn't know anything about drums, which is why he chose them. And so they didn't really have a, a say on, oh, is this good or is this bad? So uh, he grew up in Philadelphia going to the Performing Arts High School, which is right outside of Philly. And from there, uh, when he went to college, he went to UNT, University of North Texas in Denton, Texas. It is a really fantastic school for jazz. Uh, if you're a younger musician, you might know that it's like the Snarky Puppy School because it's where Michael League went and met a lot of the musicians that were at that school. Um, it's became really popular kind of in the 70s. Some wonderful musicians um, uh, uh, you know, were there, arrangers. And then from there, you meet you know, it's kind of you meet in the middle of America, really, in Texas, guys and women from the East Coast and men and women from the West Coast and international, of course. And then from there, a lot of those people, they go to New York or they go to L.A. or they go somewhere else. But that was kind of the two places that musicians would go afterwards. And you create this wonderful connection. But Denton in itself is a, a really fantastic music uh, city. So um, uh, from there, he actually transferred to William Patterson, which is in New Jersey. He really wanted to be closer to New York um, because it's kind of like the jazz mecca, of course. And he started playing with some more musicians and he started playing in, in New York City, uh, specifically with Shirley Scott, who was an organist from Philadelphia. And they knew each other from Philly, but didn't play together till New York. And from there, he just started getting onto the scene. And right after he graduated from William Patterson, he moved to New York City and he started leading his own groups. He started co-leading gr groups with other musicians and he was a sideman. Um, you know, the, the difference between the three, if you don't know, is a sideman is called to do a gig. You play somebody else's music, you play their arrangements, you show up to their rehearsal. Sometimes you just show up and read music. You, you're not uh, somewhat as uh, steady all the time. You're playing in a lot of different groups. And this is really good for anybody who's a younger musician or a musician of any age that is interested in being a sideman. You have to be uh very diverse in your playing you have to have a really large palette of you know what you can what you can do it's not necessary but if you you know i, I know specifically ari was studying latin a lot of different latin styles and brazilian styles so he was playing in those groups um he was swimming in those pools uh, he was really good at the bop thing at playing bebop so you're playing with musicians who are playing bebop 
He's uh, exceptional at playing more modern and uh, uh, kind of odd time signatures. And so you're going to get called to do that as well. And you swim in those pools. So you play with a bunch of those people. And from there, he started co-leading groups, meaning him and another musicians, particular uh, pianist named Jean-Michel Pilk from France, they started co-leading a group and they would have occasional different musicians in it. Uh, a bassist named Francois Mouton was a regular bassist in it, but the two of them both bought, brought songs and arrangements to the group and they started playing everywhere, all over New York, all over the Metro state. And then they started traveling extensively and from there, Ari started putting together his own band, a groups of nine people, groups of a quintet, a quartet, and something really important happened, which was he got a steady gig, and that was at Smalls Jazz Club, which is in Greenwich Village. If you've ever been there or if you've not been there, it is one of the coolest places to see multiple groups in one night. You see really large uh, jazz names in jazz or in music, and then you also see new and upcoming musicians. Um, I myself had performed there, you know, sometimes it was after Ari had performed and you're like, you know, mind is blown, which we'll see in some videos. And then you're like, well, I go play music now. And you're in that same, you know, again, pool. Uh, so Ari has a Monday night steady. It is still happening. He's been doing this for years, for probably a little over a decade. And every Monday he brings in a different group, meaning you're seeing new and upcoming musicians. You're seeing musicians that you might know. You're seeing duos, quintets, trios. Sometimes he's done uh, odd instrumentations, him and a harps, a harp, a harpist, a Colombian harpist, um, two drums, uh, him and a singer, him and a whatever. Sometimes it's solo drums. Uh, you're going to find Ari Honig around New York City playing a lot of different stuff. It's not just one thing. And this kind of, the way he runs his group, it, it kind of reminds me of what we spoke about last week with Art Blakey and Blakey being a band leader and bringing in fresh and new talent to his groups. And this is something that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of in Ari Honig, which is I'm going to play with as many people as possible. It keeps him on his toes. It listening and finding new musicians and inter inter interesting uh, ways of playing his songs multiple ways or composing for certain groups. This is a really great way to keep your creativity going is being interested and staying interested and surrounding yourself with collaboration. Um, his touring is extensive. He's traveling everywhere and anywhere for really long periods of time. New York City is home base, but if you have looked at his schedule pre-pandemic, uh, Ari Honig is traveling everywhere, doing you know month to month long uh, travels in Europe or in Asia. Um, and it's not only with, you know, he's mainly leading his group or co-leading, but he's playing with other musicians. He's doing multiple recording sessions abroad. He's also um, giving clinics and master classes at universities throughout the whole world because he can explain and um, 
very concise with what he what what his passion is, is and how to communicate to other musicians or other people of interest in music and jazz in particular. Um, and Ari is still alive and living in Brooklyn. This is the first musician in this series that is still alive and we can reach out to him. I've, you know, you, you can probably send him a message and he'll write back. I've messaged and spoken with Ari multiple times. I've studied with him. I saw him actually just exactly a year ago at this time um, when La Lucha was up in New York. The day before our session, we met up and saw Ari play at Smalls with a band. And uh, it was spectacular. So let's dive in. Um, let's start with the video and watching how he plays. And, and as we watch, I'll go ahead and make comments uh, about some things that really stand out about his playing. I'm going to say one up front, which is his melodic sense is off the charts. He tunes the drums in a specific tuning. He tunes the drums in a way that he can actually pull pitches from the drums. Meaning in this track, you'll hear him actually play um, kind of like a, a little med melody, a little uh, a, a song that you may recognize on the drums. This is not very common uh, unless you have multiple drums and you tune them chromatically or, you know, however you melodically tune your drums. But he's only using a traditional drum setup, two toms, snare, bass, and, you know, maybe two cymbals and a hi-hat, a traditional jazz setup. Um, no different from the other guys that we listened to before in this series, but except he's pulling out melody. Um, his sense of time is really good. So having really good time and a really melodic sense um, and rhythmic sense is, is, is really good. So let's go ahead and listen, and then I'll make some more comments, and we'll learn more about Ari along the way.
Okay, so I wanted to play the whole thing because it's it's really beautiful. So this, this is actually an advertisement for Evan's drum heads. So he's playing the heads quite a bit. Um, but if you didn't catch the song, it's this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, which he's played a number of ways, sometimes with mallets, sometimes uh, he sings along with it. But you, the melody is very clear. And then he solos over top the melody, playing around with the melody. You can see how uh, it's not the way that the other drummers that we checked out are playing based off of um, rudiments. You know, the rudiments are there. And it's great to know your rudiments as a, as a musician. But what's there, what I mean by rudimental playing is, you know, flams and, and uh, uh, paradiddles and using the rudiments to, to find melodies, but rather he's using the melody to, to, you know, the melody to find that rhythm, basing everything off of that rhythm. Um, so let's move forward. Okay, so as an influencer, here are the three things that really stand out to me from Ari. Polyrhythms and metric modulation. What do I mean by that? Polyrhythms are playing multiple rhythms at the same time. He has four limbs and he knows how to play them independently or rather co-independently together. Playing multiple polyrhythms so you can you know, decipher or feel multiple rhythms happening at the same time. What is metric modulation? Metric modulation is you have a pulse and you feel that pulse. And then the feeling of something else is happening underneath it. It feels like it might be faster or slower, but you can move between time signatures, between three, four to four, four into six, eight, but all still being able to hear the melody or feeling the pulse of the song moving. And this is a really cool, um, this is a really cool way of, diving into a song and exploring it uh, and, and feeling it and hearing it in different ways and making an arrangement out of something or just doing something interesting rhythmically with the song. Do you have to have metric modulations? No, you don't. But uh, does it make it really fun? Yes. Is it somewhat difficult at first? Yes. I, I, I would like everybody to try metric modulations and to feel polyrhythms and to feel the way you can move a song and how it can feel and change and be different from how you normally play it or hear it. Um, metric modulations, you normally want to work on that, you know, with a metronome or working on that by listening to music or with the other musicians that you're playing with. Because if you decide to change the metric of the song, if you decide to go into 6-8 when the song is in 4-4, four, four, you don't want to throw everybody for a loop and then they're lost. You want to do that together, which is why Ari as a band leader, also a co-leader, has that with his groups. He works on that with them. Next as an influencer, composer and band leader. Uh, he's bringing in a lot of compositions, so much so that he's published his own Ari Honig songbook. I think there might be two volumes or he just keeps adding to the same one. And um, uh his songs are great to play. They're really fun to listen to. They, they, they're not just, you know, your typical swing song. They're modern. Sometimes they're funky. Um, so as an educator, and I spoke about that, and we'll, we'll get to hear him talk as well as he uh, is a really wonderful educator and clearly explains everything. 
Okay, and here's one. So this is part of, um, he's on Patreon. He's also part of something called mymusicmasterclass.com. And he brings his knowledge of jazz drumming to uh, an audience online in particular. And here he is talking about playing a regular swing groove, but playing what's called an ostinato. An ostinato is a repeating pattern over and over again. You find a rhythmic pattern and it's repeated. And here he is playing an ostinato, a grouping of five notes, five over four, and that pattern repeats. And then he's going to play a popular jazz song um, in his bass drum as a melody. And this is a really great way of practicing independence. So we'll watch some of this. Here's Aria. Um, here's another idea that I've been, uh, I've been working on a little bit. Um, it's an ostinato, and you know I love working with ostinatos, like my uh, like, like my systems book. Um, but this is not in my systems book. So it's uh, this ostinato is a grouping of five triplets. play a melody or uh, improvise with the bass drum now. So here we go. Idea. Maybe I'll take a melody, I'll play like, uh, um, uh, let's see, um, So you can see how this is really advanced playing. And uh, I want to point out that this may not be the most musical thing. It's, it, it can be quite confusing if you're like, wait, five and the ba why would you be doing that? Let me first say that this is just, this is a, uh, this is a great practice. This is a great tool for practicing. And it's about exploration and Ari is always about finding and pushing the limits of being able to understand and play rhythm and feel rhythms in a different way. And also um, being, to play, being able to have really good coordination and technique, playing those at multiple speeds, playing them with dynamics. And uh, it's an exercise, being able to know that you can do that. I always say it's really good to have headroom. Um, like if you look at a car, 
that drives really fast or that could drive fast. If you look at your speedometer or, you know, it can go 280 miles per hour. Do you ever go 280 miles per hour? No. If we did, it's breaking the law, but it also, you might explode. The car might explode and you don't want to do that. That's why we go 80, 90, but we have that headroom. So let's talk about musical headroom, being able to know that you can do these things. You don't ever want to get up on the stage or into your room or playing with other musicians and not being able to get something out that you hear. It's a struggle. You want to be able to have that conversation and uh, converse well with other musicians. Uh, same as when we're speaking, we be able to, we can be able to, as I'm messing up words, we can be able to communicate what we want. And if we can't find the word, we find another adjective or noun. And so uh, having a large bag of, of repertoire. Uh, and so this is just a really wonderful exercise. And if it does come out melodically or somehow you arrange all of those parts for your band to play, you can be able to tap into that rhythmically. So it's about exploring rhythmically. So another thing that Ari is really, really advanced at and is uh, his rhythmic sense is his metric modulation sense or his uh, playing in odd time signatures. Uh, and by what, what I mean by playing in odd time signatures is not playing in four, four or six, eight, but playing in 11, playing in 11, 16 or 11, eight, playing in fives, something we don't normally hear or normally feel as well in, in American jazz culture. Um, playing in fives are, is very common in Greek music. Playing in 11 is very common in, um, uh, in some in South Indian music. And but here it's not. We're used to, you know, two and four. And even in pop music, that snare drum on two and four or a big three, those are uh so we we've we've kind of boxed into this, we play in this time signature. But Ari really knows how to compose or wants to compose and explore what that feeling is and feeling as comfortable in 11. So let's check out this song. This is from a, a radio program called Soundcheck, WNYC, it's their NPR station. And uh, he's playing a song, uh, I think it's called Arrows and Loops and it's in 11. And, it, and don't worry about trying to count it, but really just try to feel where the melody is and where it lands or where you think it lands. And you can see the technique and uh, the way the band performs and the way he interacts with the melody. It's different than just playing time. He's really flowing through the song and around the notes. We'll watch some of it. Arrows and loops. Thank you. 
going to stop it there because i know we've got a lot more videos but you should definitely check this one out if you want to continue it but you can see how in that middle section they actually go to like a six eight um or big three and it kind of gives this like oh i know this feeling of three um but everything else is really based around this really cool melody and it's an odd signature it's a great baseline this is pilot hexelman on guitar, wonderful Israeli guitarist, and the bassist is Orlando Fleming. I'm sorry that I didn't have them credited here on the bottom as I usually do. Um, so here's another, this is from an audio, this is an audio recording from his record, Burt's Playground, um, a really cool tune called Green Spleen. I'm going to explain what's happening here. Uh, in the beginning, there's a really long intro. I'm only going to go up to the solo section, but in the beginning, it's just an intro. You can kind of feel the time. When the melody comes in, it's this really kind of cool bebop funk melody. But every, I think it's eight bars, every that little motive that he plays, if you, you'll hear it, he moves it back by one quarter note. It's all in 4-4, four, four, but he makes it feel like, you know, it's displaced. And what I really love about Ari's playing and his compositions is that it's not about feeling the time, really. It's about just living in that world. It's about just kind of like, you know, if you're looking at an astronaut in space and how they're just kind of floating and you don't know if they're upside down or there is no upside down. It's just, it just is. And it's just, you are in this universe of music and vibration and sound. And it's nobody's worried about, you know, I mean, yes, they're worried about where beat one is or where the sections are. And they do, uh, they do actually are counting. But what I'm saying is musically, as we listen, we're just ingesting and feeling rather than like, okay, let me feel where this is. That's, that's not fun. It's just, it's really cool to go to a sporting event and just have a good time and enjoy the game and not worry about the technicalities of anything else. Okay, Ari Honig and his group, Green Splain.
I'm sorry I'm pressing pause on Chris Potter. Chris Potter soloing. He's just magnificent. Um, I think it's Orlando Fleming on bass or it's Matt Penman. I know they're both on this record. Again, Gilad Hexelman is on uh, guitar here. Very cool recording. It gets very insane at the very end. He starts moving the metrics around and the tempo around even with the drum solo. Uh, we're going to move forward because there's so much. Okay, he has one group that's called Punk Bop. And if you're looking, every musician that we've talked about, they're bringing in their influences into their playing, whether it's gospel music or it's swing music. Um and for Ari, it's growing up in, you know, that 80s and 90s, which is like kind of like a, a, a punk vibe. And you can hear that from that recording. So he has actually a group called Punk Bop. He's recorded with them live at Small's record. Um, it's kind of what it sounds like on that record. And it's very cool. It just has that like, you know, I would say that in, in, in a simple form, I would say it's I'm playing jazz and wearing a t-shirt vibe. You know, we're not wearing tuxes. We're not wearing ties. We're just, we're just playing and we're using our modern influences, whether it's a guitar with distortion or effects, um, you know, and, and on that same record, he's playing standards moments, notice the way you look tonight, they're swinging, but it's with that same energy of, you know, Green Day or No Effects or whatever punk group that it is that you are listening to. There's a picture from Smalls. This is what it looks like when you go. Um, there's always a mirror right above whoever the drummer is. Here it's Ari. Louis Armstrong is always right in the middle there. And you can kind of see how, you know, just cool the photo looks. Essential listening and viewing. So this is a really great example of his melodic playing. Here he's going to be playing the melody, um, the melody of the song Monin. So here we are, we're kind of talking, we're kind of, uh, this is a nice, we watched Art Blakey playing Monin, uh, except that it was like that traditional way. Check this out. So not only is he playing the melody on the toms, the group is comping in the key that the drums are in. Then he starts to, he even changes the key at one point and they follow him. You'll notice the faces. Um, and then on top of that, he starts the solo the same way Lee Morgan did, which is the So, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, please listen to the original, learn the solo. This is Ari's version of Monin. And this is a live version. This is in, I think, Dallas and almost kind of looks like he's wearing a snarky puppy shirt, funny enough. But uh, he, uh, yes, the audience is talking because it doesn't no matter where you go in the world, the audience somewhat somehow has things to say.
just because we have, we have a little more and we're, we're, we're short on time. But you can hear, really hear that melody. You can see they're having fun. He's taking this whole idea of playing melodically to an actual level of playing melodically, of finding the notes, finding some false notes, and really making that happen. Uh, in a way, you know, he's really just bringing the sense of rhythm further. So here's a modern version of Take Five. It's not the particular song of Take Five, but he's playing patterns of five in his feet. And you can see how just comfortable he is and sure of what rhythm he wants to play in his hands or when he changes the foot. So patterns of five, uh, sorry, playing in five, but in a really cool new way. We'll just watch a little bit of it. One. stop it there just because I have a few more and we're less short on time but here's the from the same video uh, about making mistakes and I just want to hear what he he says and then we'll move on he's actually being interviewed here um, this is on jazzheaven.com he's being interviewed by another really wonderful drummer named Jared Lippy who was uh, one of my uh, drum set roommates at one point uh, when I was in college we went to college together so so what do you do if you make a mistake? Well, uh, I, ha I have to be in the mentality that, that mistake, that there are no mistakes. Uh, mistakes are all part of the music. I used to play a lot of classical music when I was a kid, and I used to get really nervous before the concerts because the parts had to pl be played exactly right, you know? I had to play this exact thing at this right time, and. If I made a mistake, it was all over. There was really no going back. But as an improviser, uh, I never get nervous. And the reason, because I can, I know that I can make my mistakes into something musical or something meaningful. Um, 
I'll stop there. He then goes on and he tries to make some mistakes, but his mistakes sound really wonderful. And I think that's really, really great what he said. You can check out this video. Online. So what do you do? Okay, here's some really cool recordings that I highly recommend. There, he has a plethora of recordings. He's been recorded so many times. Um, these are just the ones that I personally uh, know really well and that I could recommend. He's worked with Kenny Warner a, a whole ton. Um, Kenny Warner also wrote a really wonderful book that you should check out. Um, I don't remember the name of it for whatever reason. It's escaping me, but check out Kenny Warner. Jean-Michel Pilk Trio, Jonathan Kreisberg uh, is a fantastic record. Edmar Castaneda was a wonderful Colombian harpist, and they have a great duo record together. Um, as a leader, he has a ton of records, some of which I've misspelled. Um, starts in 2000 with Time Travels. The Painter's a beautiful record. The Punk Bop Live one is really cool. Lines of Oppression um, and Bert's Playground kind of speak in that same language of like modern music. Um, and he even has a couple of records in the last few years, New York Standard and Connor's Days. And uh, those are somewhat in a similar where that he's playing standards and has rearranged them or he's just playing them. And, and, you know, that's, the, that's the moment of playing all the things you are, the way you look tonight. Uh, here are three, uh, some, some publications that he has intro to polyrhythms. Uh, it's a Mel Bay book. Whoops. Um, and, oh, I clicked on a, I clicked on a link that brought me to his website. I didn't mean to do that, whether you can see that or not. Okay, the Ari Honig Songbook, Systems Book One. I don't know if he has the new Systems Book out yet, but it's similar to that Ostinatos in Five, where he's talking about uh, technique and melodic jazz independence. Here's my takeaway. Mediocrity is not an option. Uh, say, um, my friend Alejandro Arenas, who's a really wonderful bassist, uh, I play in the group La Lucha with him. Uh, his mother has some really wise words that she always says, and they're always in Spanish. And one of them is, is this, and I'll, it's the translated version in English, which is, if you're going to be good, be really good, like be really, really good. And if you're going to be bad, be like, be awful, be really bad. Because mediocrity is not an option. So, <laughs> and this is just my opinion, but, uh, what I'm seeing from Ari Honig is that mediocrity is not an option. He's going to perform at the highest level, uh, regardless whether somebody likes it or not. He's just going to strive for that. Uh, exploration and collaboration are creative keys. I'm seeing that in his playing, in his compositions, and his uh, collaborations and the people that he chooses to spend his time with. Time is the most valuable thing that you have. And so spending it being creative around other people that are creative and make you feel and sound good or look good, even that, you know, it's important to him. It's important to me. And education is the path forward. And, and what I really mean is we have to be able to um, speak about the things that we love or that we want to pass forward to other people. I've met some wonderful musicians and gone up to them and said, Hey, how do you do that thing? Or what's that? How do you, and they don't want to give away their secrets. 
but that doesn't help the music. That doesn't help jazz being progressed forward. And that's particularly why I love rounding this out. That's why I love the Young Lions Jazz Master Sessions, because um, I get to speak about what I love and you are here to listen to it. And I get to, I, I check out the other people that are here and uh, Clearwater Jazz Holiday and Young Lions are giving this opportunity to ha allow us to speak about what we want and share this so that you can take that either as an instrumentalist or somebody who loves music and pass that passion forward. We have to have this education in order for this music to go forward. And whether that's you diving in technically or um, uh, diving in just listening, there are so many ways to learn and practice this music, not even as a musician and just experiencing it and feeling it or buying a ticket or buying an album or just listening to it somehow and giving love to that artist. So um, that's the end of uh, today's class and of this five-part series. And I look forward to doing more sessions in the future. And I hope that you can check in and say hi. And I hope you enjoyed uh, not only today's session, Ari Honig, what I love about Ari Honig, but the previous ones, which were um, what I love about Papa Joe Jones, what I love about Max Roach, what I love about Art Blakey, Elvin Jones, and then today's Ari Honig. I'm going to throw it back to Michael briefly and everybody over at Clearwater Jazz Holiday. Uh, thank you so much. Happy New Year. Uh, be safe. Uh, even though we're not together, you can be together somehow over online. And if you've not done this before the end of the year, uh, pick up the phone and call somebody that you're thinking about that maybe you don't speak to too often and just say, hey, back to you, Michael. Awesome, awesome, Mark. A great wealth of information that you've shared today. Uh, just phenomenal. And I did have a couple of questions. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, I know we have a lot of young musicians that's hearing Ari and they're saying, wow, listen to all that polyrhythmic playing. Because mm -hmm. um, I personally hear so many influences in his playing uh, from the 80s and 90s music. You know, yeah. that was my, my generation growing up. Um, I would call him a musician's musician. <laughs> You know, sure, yeah. you know, when you go to concerts like this, there's two things happening in the room. The musicians are hearing all the intricate things that's happening. And then the average listener is like, OK, am I missing something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for that young musician, that young drummer, uh, what would you recommend to them to start approaching playing with those polyrhythmics? And, you know, just going into that realm to get outside of the grooves and start experimenting. Because I know so many, so many people get caught up in, okay, I just have to lock the groove in and that's all I have to do. So how can they get a little bit more expressive with their playing? What would you say the approach would be great with that? Yeah, you, you hit one key word there, which is experimenting. And, um, I, the way I approach something new that I'm really interested in, particular polyrhythms or uh, metric modulation, is try it in the way that you hear it. I, I like to think of uh, exploration just like a child. Um, I have a young daughter, 18 months old, and she says words. She doesn't know what they mean. She's just mimicking. And, you know, and I'm not telling her, don't say that or don't try to make it said like this. She doesn't know her alphabet yet. Just try it. 
just try to dive in and hear what you play, what you think you're hearing. It's just like listening to another language or singing a song in another language. You don't know what it means. You just hear the sounds. That's a great first exploration is just trying something. You may not know where the beat is. You may not know the technicality of what it's supposed to be, if it's a Latin song or what the cascada is or what the clave is. You just sort of make it up. And then from there, you find some people that are doing that really well. And you can go and you can purchase their books or you can probably find them online. Um, another great way of doing this, the next step would probably be transcribing. I've had a number of students that transcribe Ari's playing, and this is a great way of trying on a coat and just seeing what it feels like. And oh, if I transcribe what they're playing, it's exactly the speech in which they're speaking. And you're not just transcribing the rhythms, but exactly how they play it. How loud, how soft, is this speed up a little bit? Um, and you can kind of feel it when you're playing along with that recording. So just trying it and feeling it, you're gonna mess up and that's okay. Playing exactly what they're doing, which is transcribing. And the next thing is, if you transcribe it and you maybe write it out or write out a section, you can analyze what is happening. Oh, I'm noticing that they're playing it on the end of beat one rather than on beat one. Or, oh, this rhythm is playing this consistently and this rhythm is playing it consistently. I'm noticing a pattern here. And so you're finding information by diving a little bit deeper. I, I wish that I could say there's an easy way for just like, oh, I have the answer because you gave it to me. But basically anything that you do, you have to explore and dive in a little bit more uh, to, find, to find insight. Uh, so I would say trying it, listening until you really getting that language and transcribing. And from there, you can create your own information. Oh, I'm gonna try this pattern with this one. But also listening is number one, more than anything, listening. So I hope that I hope that answered the question. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome answer. One of the biggest things I got from that is listening, listening, listening. And we yeah. always tell students, you know, it's a language. In order to speak it, you have to hear it and understand it. And also getting away from the fear aspect. I know as a percussionist, I know it playing in many drum in many bands, if the drummer's off, everything stops in the room <laughs> and we turn around and say, What's happening? But you know, I, yeah. I do encourage young musicians and drummers, you know, experiment, yes, play the grooves, but Wow, what an amazing thing during some of those performances you played for us when he played the melodic stuff. This little yeah. light of mine, wasn't that awesome? It's very cool. And you, you touched on something there where you said, you know, about fear. And fear is not an option. Um, I, I always talk about, you know, it's, it's finding, it's being one, not having fear yourself, but also surrounding yourself with people that are open to taking those steps with you. If you think about like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, where, you know, Indiana Jones takes that, you know, that step out onto this bridge that doesn't exist. And, you know, the step becomes clear as soon as he steps on it. And then he takes another step and the bridge starts magically appearing the further he goes. It's the invisible bridge scene. I, I suggest everybody take a look at it multiple times. It's quite emotional. 
it's the same way of playing music. You have to take that step. You have to take that leap of faith. I think it's actually called the leap of faith scene. And you're not only doing that yourself, but then you surround yourself with other people that are willing to support you. And if you fall, you will, you'll be okay. This is not Cirque du Soleil. You're not on a tightrope. Um, that's actually why I think musicians are called cats because when cats fall, they make it a graceful landing somehow on their feet. And when it's not on their feet, it's graceful in some way. And so we're cats, we're jazz cats. And we have to make mistakes and we have to have no fear. Which is one thing I love about this genre of music, jazz, where, you know, we can be diverse and play all kinds of music from classical to Latin. You know, we're diverse in our playing because we listen to so much music and we go out and we try it. So, Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Mark. We really appreciate it. And just a reminder to everyone, uh, be sure to also check out the studio, which now archives all full recordings of the Young Line Jazz Master Virtual Sessions, uh, organized by instruments. Uh, The archive also contains session materials, session recaps, and recommended listening links. And you can check that out at www.clearwaterjazz.com, the studio. Uh, Also, you can listen to the sessions of our new Young Lion Jazz Master Virtual Session podcast presented by Mary Max Clearwater, available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. So we want to thank you for your time today, Mark. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Um, I saw some familiar faces in those videos of some other musicians that play with Ari. And I think um, this is going to be a great tool for our future musicians and even seasoned musicians as well. So thank you for your time today. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, keep swinging. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.